Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Adolis Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Facebook and Instagram or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Adolis. All right, uh, I've titled this Three Lies That Every Woman Will Believe. That's, that's, let me, let me look it up. Hold on. Stephanie? Three lies that will keep you from your destiny. Thank you, ladies. See, they did the right thing. They did the right thing. I'm just saying, y'all can, you have, you have a chance right now to sit in the pastor's throne right here. I'm, I'm telling you, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seats right there. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Fine, but if y'all want to stay back, that's fine. Y'all play squishy, bud. Get closer. Get closer. We're all sisters in Christ here. Did y'all like that outdoor display of food? The fast is over. Blue up here. Blue up here. Right here, blue. Right here, blue. Pastor Blue. That's my girl. Is she not fly? She's the flyest. I love you so much. Um, and so what was I saying? Out there, amazing display of food, huh? Can we just give it up for hospitality, Miss Nikki Hayes? And the decorations and everything, every detail, Miss Emily. Miss Emily Garza and my sister, she hates being acknowledged, but Evelyn, Natasha, whatever you want to call her. Yeah, and, and all of the ladies that came to help, thank you so much. We could literally not do this without you because we do things last minute around these parts. <laughs> Get used to it. What's the title again, Max? Boom. Three lies that are going to keep you from your destiny. Are we live on YouTube or whatever? Okay, great. Welcome to all of our online viewers. I see you guys out there. You snuck in, but I see you. Three lies. Are you guys ready? Do you have um, your, your Bibles in hand? Do you have a journal or something to write with? Because this is going to be really good, okay? At least I think it's good, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. All right, number one, the number one lie. We're just going to go right into it because I already prayed. Uh, the number one lie that will keep you from doing what you're called to do, that will keep you from your destiny, is the lie that God will do it. Now, I've been in uh, Christianity for quite a bit of time, uh, since I was 15 years of age, and uh, I just remember this mindset that somehow, whatever it is that God wants you to do, He will accomplish it for you. And that is one of the greatest lies that has ever been told. And so it's absolutely sickening to me uh, to know that there's people out there that refuse to do anything because they're waiting on God to intervene. You know, I uh, just, just as like a really quick example, when we were um, in youth group, we all wanted to go. There was a, a couple people. They, we had a, like um, missions trips every year, and one of them was to Brazil. And so... Um, you know, my, my parents, I couldn't cross the street till I was like 19 years old. I'm not joking. Um, but, uh, so that was off limits for me. Uh, but all of the youth group, they wanted to go to Brazil. And I remember one of the ladies there, um, just, just praying, you know, God, like, if you want me to be in Brazil, 
I know that you're going to make a way where there is no way. Mind you, other people from our youth group were you know, cre being creative about raising money. They were doing car washes. They were getting, you know, uh, a couple of hours at Dairy Queen. Whatever was needed, they were hustling to get the money. But there was still a couple of people that would just pray to God. And you know what? If God wants me to go there, he's going to get it done. And I remember that kind of like, you know, hitting a nerve on the inside of me because it didn't feel right. It's like God wants you to go there. God, why wouldn't God want you to minister and tell people about him? That makes no sense. But she was so dead set that if God wanted her there, somehow a check for $1,800 would appear in her mailbox. Did she go to Brazil that year? No. So, you know, what is the point of obedience if God is going to do it for you. That's stupid. That is such a stupid mindset because ultimately there is a reward for obedience. Can you say amen? Yes. Isaiah 119 says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. So if you're eating the good of the land, imagine everything else. I mean, that's the most minute thing. You know, when I go enter like a new city or whatever, or, you know, enter a new uh, territory, I'm not thinking about what I'm eating. I'm thinking about, you know, the connections and where am I going to live? Where's the nearest post office? And God's saying, no, I'm going to make you eat the good of the land. Like everything else is going to be taken care of. And I'm looking at the most minute things and you'll eat the best of the best. But there's two things that you have to do. You have to be willing and you have to be obedient to the counsel of God and to his direction. Can you say amen? amen? So I don't know for the life of me why people, especially in this new year, you hashtag new year, new me. And back in, and then it's February. And then all of a sudden you're saying, no, this is still the old me. <sighs> is still me because there has to be a desire which is going to lead me into the second one so I'm just getting ahead of myself but whatever uh but but there does have to be a desire to make changes and I'm not going to sit here and preach the the message that I preached on on Wednesday but there in order for there to be change in this year then change is required so I don't understand why people be acting all kinds of silly spiritual up in this piece. You pray and you fast for 21 days and you do nothing to facilitate that change in your life. Because ultimately, if, you've, if you're praying and fasting for something, God is showing you, God is going to give you directions. He's going to say, listen, this is what you want. And it, it you know, uh, Pastor Jonathan was talking about it, how his father, Tiff Shuttlesworth, would go on a 21-day fast ever since he was little, and he'd take a day to pray and fast for all of his family members, but he would fast specifically for the next step. Just one step for 21 days. He would just ask God, what is the next step that I have to take for this year in order for me to rise to the next level? Just one step. And in, a, in this time of 21 days in prayer and fasting, I, I hope that you got that one step. I know I sure did. I didn't get just one step. I got a quite a bit of steps. <laughs> this is kind of sick. Um, 
because there's a lot of a lot of things that the Lord wants changed. You know, the lot a lot of things that I don't really want to do. <laughs> but there's a lot of cleaning house personally that I have to do. You know, he 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 really put it on my heart to to make a gym in my garage. So my sisters are so nice. They volunteered to help me move the stuff from the garage and help me. So anyway. Uh, I don't want to work out there. I said it. I went in 2022. I was like, I'm going to be the healthiest that I'm ever going to be. And I'm going to run a marathon. I said... You mind your business because no, ain't nobody talking to you. I literally, because I, I ran a 5K in 2021, 20, and so I was like, I could do a 5K. I could do half a marathon. If I could do half a marathon, I could do a full marathon. Watch me fly. Ask me how many times I went running that year. I went one time. And I just blamed everything on the busyness of life and blah, 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 blah. But this time the Lord really did arrest me. And he's like, listen, if you want to be the letter C when you're 45 years old, continue on doing whatever you want to do. <laughs> we travel a lot, you know. I'm on all kinds of couches and nasty chairs and beds, hotel beds. That's awful, you know. And so I, I really felt impressed I bet you that's Stephanie. Is that Stephanie um, giving me messages up there? Stephanie, you're going to be running the marathon with me. How about that? She's like, I don't want to talk about no marathon because she was there with me. We were both like, you know, encouraging. Like, we could totally do this. We never ran. Um, so that's why, you know, like even, even like, you know, cleaning house within your own household, within your own body, within your own spirit, within your own ministry, within your own business, God wants to get in everything, you know? And so he'll tell you just that one step. And, and what's required of us is just to freaking do it. And a, a lot of times it's a lot of effort. It's like a gym. All I heard was gym. And I was like, phenomenal. Now I got to clean out all this stuff. So it might seem like a big deal. But in the end, when you see me running my marathon at some point this year, or at least 10K, then you're going to know. Like, you know, she stuck with it. But you have to stick with it. And if you want those changes, then you need to facilitate the change. So I don't understand why we keep leaving it to God as though he's going to intervene when he's saying, I did everything I had to do. I need you to do it too. I need you to come into alignment with what it is that I'm saying. Can you say amen? Look at John 14, 21 with me. It says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Wait, it gets better. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Look at it in the Amplified. It says, the person who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and reveal myself to him. And I will make myself real to him. Is that in there? Absolutely. So your relationship with God isn't even real until you choose to obey what he says to do. 
So please don't come at me saying, oh, God, God's going to make a way. Oh, I love God. You know, I was just listening to Caitlyn Jenner. (laughs) Stop, guys. It's not the time for that. But I was listening to, um, it just showed up on my Instagram feed, and, and it was very upset because it wants, to know, it wants to be right with God. He or she wants to be right with God. Caitlin wants to be right with God, you know? And so she's tearing, he, Caitlin's tearing up because uh, Caitlin knows that there's a reality to heaven and hell. And Caitlin knows that Caitlin's going to have to stand before God. And Caitlin was crying at that point. And Caitlin had said uh, that Caitlin wants to do what's right in order to get into heaven. And Caitlin was crying. And Caitlin was overcome with emotion. And, and, And Caitlin is deceived. Because it doesn't matter if you have good intentions. It doesn't matter if you have a good heart. It doesn't matter if you've done good things. What matters is that you're obedient to the word of God. Well, I love God. I just, I can't make it to church because I'm really busy on Sundays. Okay. Good luck with that. I really love God. You know, he has my heart. I do have sex with my boyfriend. Just every now and again, you know, don't judge. Um, But I love God. I'm going to call your bluff on that. Because it says it right here, John 14, 21, those who love me, obey me. And it's not just the word of God that you have to be obedient to. It's his voice. It's the voice to say, hey, put a gym. I don't, I didn't, I wish there was not a verse here. I wish, I mean, I wish there was a verse that says in, in uh, chapter Adalis 1, verse 16, Adalis goes and, you know, makes a gym in her garage. That, that doesn't exist. But when you get into close relationship with God and then you get acquainted with his word, all of a sudden he just begins to speak to you about other things, things that are personal to you. And if you choose to disobey, good luck. (laughs) Because the reason why he's speaking to you is to make you flourish. You know, you're not meant to struggle your entire life. You're not meant to do life alone. You're not meant for little things. You're meant for great things. And you, you have to understand that because then you understand, I really need God to intervene in my, on my behalf. Because Adalus can't, is not that smart. Adalus can't open those doors in the natural. I need God to intervene. I need God's hand on my life. I need his voice to direct me, to guide me, to lead me into all truths. If your life is marked with frustration and stagnancy, there's a problem. There's a problem. Because he's going to speak to you. He wants to speak to you. Can you say amen? God will do it. The biggest lie that there ever is. Your relationship isn't real until you learn to obey. Say this. God, I choose today to obey what you say. In Jesus' name. Lie number two. Where I'm at. No, this is the Adolis get over. Where I'm at is because of what happened to me. I know. I'm going to say that again. Hold on. Are those machines on up in here? 
because the, it's dry up in here. Can we get a humidifier up in this piece? Because my, my throat is dry. Is it, is it on? No, it's all right. I'm just kidding. I'm being half funny. Uh, where I am is because of what's happened to me. Ah! Where you are right now is the byproduct of the decisions that you made. No one else made those decisions for you. You're here because you wanted to be here. If you weren't here, you wouldn't be here. And maybe somebody tricked you. Ha ha, tricked ya. But you're here. You could have taken an Uber and, and bounced up out of here, but you're here, right? And so when we understand that you are not a byproduct of your circumstances, then we can get somewhere. Because a lot of people, well, I didn't grow up this way. See, I, I didn't grow up in a wealthy ha uh, uh, family. I didn't grow up with, with Christian parents who believed in me and spoke life to me. I, didn't, I wasn't like that. I didn't grow up in that. And so this is my life. This is my reality. And so this is what I'm going to have to just face for the rest of my life. It, it must be nice to be born with a silver spoon in your mouth. It must be nice to have a father who loves you and cares for you. And then you, you have this mindset, this victim mindset. And God cannot do anything with a victim mindset. That's why it says, not only do you have to be obedient, but there's a willingness to it all too. You have to see that your circumstances aren't going to determine your future. Your current circumstances right now. Because a lot of times what's happened is that there's things that have defiled you. You didn't want those things to defile you. You didn't want those people to harm you, to hurt you, to abuse you. You didn't ask for any of that. So then what? You just become a victim? You just lay there and die? There's so many people who, who, who do that. They are quite literally just laying there waiting for death, refusing to move out of that situation, out of that trauma, out of that chaos. And you know what? God can't do anything to help that individual. It's really sad. It's really heartbreaking. To see that people just, just, just they, they don't understand that God is actually rooting for you, not against you. And he wants you to get up out of that mess. Well, if God was such a good God, why would he allow these things to happen, Sister Dallas? You know, there is an enemy to this whole thing, right? So he comes to what? To steal? To steal, to steal. Yeah, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. There is an enemy to this. God did not allow those things. God did not facilitate those things. There is an enemy sent to destroy you, your family, your marriage, your children. You need to beware of those enemies. You need to beware of those tactics. And beware is simply means be at war with those things. Be at war with the, the schemes of the enemy, the, the tactics. That was sent to me to destroy me, to kill me, and then to send my daughter to hell. Ultimately, that's what it is. 
Because it's, it's not just to steal from you. It's not just to kill. It's to destroy. And that word in the original context is to destroy your soul, to send you to hell. That is the ultimate goal of the enemy, is to try to deceive you so bad that you join him in the pit of hell. Because he can't stand looking at your face. He can't stand it because he was supposed to be in your place with hands lifted high and praising God, right? But now he can't, and he's condemned to death, and he wants to take anybody and everybody with him. And he knows what's most precious to God is you. What's most precious to God is me. And so that's why he's going after God's people. So come to that reality and then get up from that situation and say, it's going to stop here. I've seen the cycle go through my family, but it stops here. Can you say amen? So you have to be willing. Look at that. It's the gold. I think I'm allergic to gold. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Wait. Um... What was I saying? ADD. <laughs> Willing. I looked the word up. You need to be determined. You need to have a resolve. And you need to desire. You need to be determined to get out of that situation. There needs to be a resolve on the inside of you that says, as I almost fall, that says, I'm going to get through this. There is light at the end of the tunnel. I'm not going to stay here. The Bible even says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is in the forefront of it all. He's the one that's leading me. He's the one that's guiding me. But so many people, they just start digging right in the valley of the shadow of the uh, death or whatever. They just start digging their own grave and they just lay in there. That was never meant to be something in your life. For you to camp out in the valley of the shadow of death. You're supposed to walk through. Turn to your neighbor and say, walk through. Turn to your other neighbor and say, walk through, baby. Yeah, yeah. No time for that. And if you're willing and obedient, God will show his goodness towards you. It's really that easy. But you have to make up your mind. You have to have a resolve on the inside of you that says, I have had enough of this failure. I have had enough of this torment. I have had enough of this disease. I am pushing through. I'm going to go move forward. If God is with me, who can be against me? I have the mind of Christ. Huh? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What does that mean for you? If you can do all things because Christ is within you, why do you keep saying, I can't do that? Yeah, come on. I, th and this, is, this might sound stupid, but it's the reason why I want to run the marathon. Because at one point I was like, why would anybody do that? That's stupid. <laughs> like, why would anybody do that? That is so dumb. I would never do that. And when I said I would never do that, I'm like, why wouldn't you do that? I, if I have two legs, I have the ability to do it. Why can't I do it? Maybe I would love it. And then I started doing the 5K and I loved it. I was like, then I'm going to do the, tw the 26 miles. Who cares? Why? It was like a mental hurdle. When I, when I, when I tell myself I can't do it, I, I feel like I want to do it. Except for heights. Anything with heights, I, I just, I'm going to walk away from that. Thank you. 
So you got to be willing. You have to have a resolve. There has to be a determination on the inside of you that says it doesn't matter what has gone around me, whatever has happened, whatever's in my bloodline, whatever's, uh, uh, you know, uh, normal in my family. I I choose to live differently. There has to be a choice that you make. I would that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So, yo, it's a choice then, is it not? So God wasn't saying that to just heathens that didn't know him. He looked at his people and said, I would that you would make the right choice because I can't make that decision for you. I can't believe those things for you. I can't press in for you. I would that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So I want you to see the bigger picture here. It's not just about you. It's about those that come after you. Look at your children. And that's the legacy you'll be leaving. A legacy of faith. A legacy of boldness. Of of generosity. Of prosperity. Of success. Jonathan says it the best. You might have come from a broken home, but a broken home doesn't have to come from you. You can change it by one decision. Turn to your neighbor and say, one decision. decision. Say it a little bit more spicier. One decision. decision. Thank you. That that was good. That was good. And it just doesn't make sense to me, and it it, it won't make sense to you either, because, uh, you know, I've I've seen circumstances happen. The same circumstances happen uh, to people. You know, whether they suffered abuse, whether they were, um, had no parents, they were in the foster care system. Some people, meth addicts, on the brink of death. Other people, CEOs of company to, companies to help people in, in the same situation. What made the difference? What made the difference? It's just a, a mindset. It's a choice. One of them came out through the other end of that attack and said, I am never going back to that place. And I'm going to make sure that I I have it set so that nobody else has to face that either. And I'll do whatever I can to, to let people know and to help people along the way that have experienced that kind of defeat and that kind of hurt like I did. And then there's some people that are just drinking three boxes of wine every night to try to go to sleep because they don't know how to handle it. Because in their minds, they have been victimized. And it's an excuse. And you might have an excuse. Yes, you went through that. Yes. But you have to make the, 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 the deciding factor. You have to be the one who makes the decision to step out of that. Nobody else can do that for you. Pastor Jonathan can't, I can't, God himself can't. And once you understand, I have to make that decision to get out of this mess, then we can go somewhere. Then God can begin to do something on in the inside of you. Can you say amen? amen. Let God get in there. Let God do it. What are you grabbing hold? I mean, you know, I, I was just talking to uh, one of my friends on our podcast. Her name's Jamie Lucy. Is it Lucy? Lucci. Is it Lucci? I think you made that up. Um, and she was just wanting to talk about the loss of my son. And I want to get more into that because, you know, people suffer trauma in their life and there's accidents and things that you never wanted, you know, to happen to you. And I feel like, especially in the word of faith movement, 
you don't share those things with people. You don't share, you know, the, the divorce that you had. Because we, we, we talk faith. We don't talk about defeat. And so, you know, you, don't, you can't feel bad. You can't cry. Or you say, no, no, you got to just believe God for that joy. And just believe God that he's going to see through. You know, but, but the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that there's a time to grieve. Just like there's a time for dancing and rejoicing. Right? So there's a season for, for these things. And that's not bad. And if you, if you look at even Paul, the life of Paul, he, he recounted some bad things that happened to him. But he didn't stay there. He went through it and then God, gave God the glory because he's like, listen, look at me. Look at where I'm at right now. I would that you would follow me as I follow Christ. I would that you would do it like me. Because he knew he had it going on. Even though there was a lot of things that happened that weren't so great, he had to make that decision to just move forward. But a lot of times when we're in that place, when they're in that state of trauma or chaos or defeat or some kind of loss, you give up the will to fight. And that sucks. And, and it really does. Because if you don't have fight on the inside of you, you have nothing. You know, the Bible talks about it's the good fight of faith. If you have no fight in you, what do you have? You're, you're just going to continue to be the devil's punching bag. So you need to rise up to the occasion. You got to fight back. And that's why it's important to recognize that the enemy is there. Because if you think God is doing that, you know, from heaven to you, to your children, you're not going to fight them. You're just going to sit there and take it. But that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to move forward. He wants us to, to fight the good fight of faith. And the good fight of faith is, is good because you win. That's why it's good. If you lost, then what the heck is the, fight, the, the point of, of fighting? No, it's the good fight of faith because God has made us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. So we win. Every circumstance, we win. Even at the loss of a son, your only son, you could say, I've won. God took me through that. And it was a difficult time, but I grieved. There was loss, but I moved forward. And God showed me how to move forward. And I continued to move forward. And I'm not sitting up here with, you know, uh, glazed over eyes because I'm on 18 different mind medicines. Like the guy at Party City today. Didn't, didn't anybody see that guy? Y'all, I, I really encourage you to go over there and minister to him. I, I couldn't even get his attention. I was like, hey. But I, even that, that realization, I was like, thank you, God, that I'm in my right mind. Because I, I could have. I could have done that. I could have just sat there and took it and took the abuse and took the pain and took those thoughts that were tormenting. Or I could have just did it the way God would do it. And I could have listened to that still small voice because I wanted to. I wanted to be mad and I wanted to wallow in it. But the Holy Spirit would not allow me to do it. And he would say, don't do that. And I'd be like, what? But I should. Because if I don't do it, no one's going to remember this. And I deserve to be in this state of, of misery. Nobody else gets it. I have to do this all by myself. Nobody has to bear this kind of pain. Everybody just goes home and cooks dinner while I'm stuck with my thoughts. While I'm stuck with this kind of loss. What do you want me to do? I want to be here. I deserve to be here. 
But with the Holy Ghost and the Word of God, you just, he said, no. He gave me pow pows. <laughs> Usually I'd think that on the toilet, you know what I mean? And he'd be like, get up off the toilet, and I want you to just be grateful about a couple things. And I was like, I don't want to be grateful. And if I, if, if I chose not to be grateful, I'd still be in the bathroom. Like three years later or however many years later it is. Because he's going to tell you, he's going to give you those directions, but you have to be willing to do it. You have to be willing to make those changes. Because if you're not willing to make the changes, nothing is going to change. And some of y'all have been struggling for 15, 25 years. I got messages on the, on the passing of my son from people that were in their 70s. You'll never get over this. You'll never. This is, this is something I still think about the, the son that I lost every single day of my life. And I'm like, no to hell. My son's up in heaven. I'll see him shortly. I'm not going to be reminded of the torment every single day. Hell to the no. You can have that. But I'm making the choice to live life differently. Listen, that's not life in abundance to have to have memories haunt you every single day of your life. Get out of here with that. You can have that. God bless you, whoever you are. I know you meant well. But hell to the no. <laughs> we ain't doing that. So no, we, I'm not doing that. I'm moving forward. You're, say, say it to your neighbor. I'm moving forward. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Number three, it's the last point, And it's a really good one. I'm going to camp out here for a little bit. I am nothing. God is everything. <laughs> what a dumb lie. I am but a worm. I don't even know the songs because I've just I for, forgot it. I didn't even know the, the tune, the tone. But it's those songs that make you just, I am a wretched human being. I am nothing. I'm in need of a savior. It gets saved, sir. That's not, you know, the picture of you is more important than the picture of God. The picture you have of yourself is more important than the picture that you have of God. Boom. Marinate in that. Marinate in that. Because I always had a like, oh, God is great. God is good. God, you're so powerful. And on the inside of me, I struggled with how I looked. I struggled with insecurity. And I did not do what he wanted me to do because of the overwhelming insecurity that I had. Thoughts about myself. I'm not good enough. I'm ugly. I'm not, too, I'm not, I'm not white enough. I'm not Spanish enough. I'm, I'm stuck in, in, you know, this crazy purgatory land. I don't know how to get out of it. And so it's until you get so intoxicated with who God is that you begin to see yourself. And it's really important that you, you cross that bridge. Quit looking at yourself and saying you're ugly. Get over yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Oh, there is nothing more. Me and Mags talk about it all the times. There is nothing worse than somebody who's insecure. There just isn't. There's walls. In the spirit, there's like red flags and buzzers. And I'm like, hi. I'm going to go over here. 
You got to know who you are. You got to know who you are. You can't look at yourself any different than God. It's one of our mottos for the Mighty Series. Mighty God, Mighty Me. That's the logo. That's the brand slogan or whatever the heck it's called. Mighty God, Mighty Me. Because if you know the Word of God, then you'll know who you are. The Word of God is likened to a mirror. It's a mirror. And the mirror sometimes is going to point out flaws. You got something in your teeth. You got to get rid of that. You know? You got to comb your hair a little bit. And then all of a sudden you get more and more acquainted with his voice. And all of a sudden it changes your mindset. It changes the way you uh, 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 walk, the way you talk, the way you view yourself. And let me tell you, if you are insecure, that's what I'm, 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 I'm waiting. I'm going to cast that thing out of you today. I'm excited. Because if you belong to this church, you walk a different way. Oh, she probably goes to Revival Today Church. Boom. Exactly. Because we're a different breed here. We're not going to be like, hey, it's just little old me. You can't do anything like that and, and be effective in this world. There's just no way. Well, I'm shy. Bull poop. Bull crap. God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, so don't even, don't even play me like that. I'm shy. I'm just not like you, boisterous and like outgoing like that. Why? Why aren't you like me? You should be like me. And I'm not saying that pridefully. I'm saying because I find myself worth in the word of God. Not because of how I look, although I look awesome. I, but I know who I am. And I know what God has put on the inside of me. And I read in the word that he hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and soundness of mind. So I'm not going to walk around like, hmm, little old me, I don't know. <laughs> no. Turn to your neighbor and say, no. no. Not you. No, and turn to your other neighbor and say, you look great. Get that, get over yourself. Get over yourself some more. Oh my gosh, enough with that. I'm talking to you out there. It's stopping you from going out there and putting yourself out there, meeting that guy. It's, put, it's, it's stopping you from starting that business. It's stopping you from doing what it is that God's called you to do. Hot dang. You know, when, 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 when I was, uh, the, the first attack, I suffered a, 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 a loss in 2015. It was a miscarriage, but it was like three weeks in. So it didn't really like settle in like it was with my son. So I remember in 2016 going into a time of prayer and fasting and uh, asking God to give me a new lease on life because everything was just miserable. But I remember that in that state that I was in, I was like, you know, I came to a crossroad and I thought like I'd rather die um, uh, and go to heaven then continue in this life of defeat and insecurity. Like I can't do it anymore. Like I want to have purpose. I want to do something that matters. I don't want to just iron clothes for Jonathan. I don't want to just raise our daughter, although I'm a great mom. 
You know, like I don't want to just do the bills and everything. I want the, like something to do. And you know, God reminded me, you're called to, to preach. And I was like, no, accept that, Lord. Give me something else. <laughs> Give me something else to do, God. But I was in that hospital bed because I lost a third of my blood. My sister came to pick me up. I was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And she drove like 95 to get from Harrisburg to the Penn Hospital so that I wouldn't die. Thanks for saving my life, Max. <laughs> uh, it just took me how many years just to say thanks. Um, sorry. So anyway, so I'm sitting in the hospital bed, literally, like floating. I, I'm, I'm with it. Like I can, I could hear everybody. I could, I could hear the conversations that were happening. But I literally, I was so weak that I couldn't open my eyes. But, but I do remember thinking to myself, I'm going to heaven, and I'm gonna meet Jesus. And it was a very, it was the, it was a reality. Like it wasn't like a cute thing. Maybe I'm gonna meet. No, it was like you're definitely gonna go see him. And in that state, the very first thing that passed through my head wasn't my daughter or my husband or the ministry. It was like, I have to meet Jesus all by myself. Like Jonathan's not going to be there so that I could blame everything on him. <laughs> so what am I going to do? You know, I was hoping maybe my grandmother would just be there with me. I hope she's dying or something. You know what I mean? So that maybe I could throw her under the bus if need be, but she was already dead. So I was like, great. I'm gonna have to face Jesus, this is a reality, and what the heck am I gonna say? What am I gonna say, what is a good enough excuse for this? That I didn't do what I was called to do because I knew what I was called to do. From the age of 16, I watched Deborah Mantenuto preach at uh, Wellesley Park Assembly of God in Wayland, Massachusetts. And I remember she was this feisty, she, she worked alongside Benny Hinn. And she was this little tiny Italian lady who preached the house down. And I'd never seen anything like that. She had like, you know, fur. And although she was like little, she talked about cannolis and she was funny. And then when she, you know, entered into, <laughs> it was so funny. It was, it, she, she did the altar time. There was this one pastor that I just didn't like at the church. He was so obnoxious. Like he was, had an ego the size of this room. <laughs> and she pointed out to him like this. And then she like, you know, motioned him to move to the hallway or to the walkway. And I was like, get him God, get him God. <laughs> And here was, I'm telling you, she was like 5'3", you know, even with high heels. And she looked at him and went like this. And that man, from, that, from where the flowers were to that back wall, flew like she had kicked him. All by himself. I thought, he, there's a hole in that wall. There's after, after they pick him off of that, uh, whatever it is, wall, there's going to be a, he hit that wall so hard. And it was the most, everybody was like, oh my God, because this guy was huge. This was, uh, he was a really big guy, you know? And I was like, thank you, Lord. You did that for me. Thank you. Show him something, Lord. Show him. But I thought to myself, like, this, this guy is, was such an arrogant guy that he wouldn't even let women, pr like, you, uh, pray for him. Like, that's who we were dealing with. And this little girl was like, hmm. And it was, whoof. It was like X-Men, you know? I was like, man, this is for me. I want to do that. I want to point at somebody and them fly through the window. 
And so I remember even at 16 years of age, it marked me. And I felt that like the, the Holy Spirit say, you'll do that someday. And I'd be like, yes, Lord, I'll do that. And so there I was. 10 years into the ministry, 10 years into my marriage with Jonathan, and your girl's not preaching. So what am I doing? And who am I going to blame this on? I can't. I can't blame it on anybody. It's just me. I made the decision to be insecure. I made the decision to not get in my word and get intoxicated with this until I started seeing myself for who I was really created to be. And until you get to that point, nothing's going to change. You'll carry yourself like this. And God can't use that. He needs somebody who knows who they are. You are royalty. I know that's like a, a cliche thing in, the, in this realm, especially because it's rain and I just put two and two together. But that's why we call this thing rain. Because you are set apart. You are God's holy priests. You are ch children of God. Royalty, princesses, queens. Can you imagine if, what's the, uh, the, the royal name? Kate. She's the only royal one at this point. Uh, could you imagine if you just saw her like this? You know there's protocol for even how you like, you know, stand in public? How you greet somebody? You can't just be like, hey, Kate, what's up? No. You don't grab it or you will be tackled. You know, even, even when she sits, how she holds herself, how she holds a pen how she holds her purse, where she stands alongside of her husband. There's protocol for royalty. You can't be the same as everybody out there. There has to be a marked difference. And if people don't see it, what the heck is the point of you being a Christian? The whole point is to lead other people to the goodness of God that should be on display in you. Can you say amen? So look at this in Numbers 13. I think it's Numbers 13. The Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. I'll stop right there and then we'll move on to verse 21. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near Lebo Hamath. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron, where Ahima, I'm just going to skip through these, 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that they had, what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered into the land you sent us to explore, and it was indeed bountiful, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produced, but the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. And the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. You see the difference there? How you view yourself is everything in this world, in this life. How you see yourself is the determining factor of what it is that you will accomplish in this life. 
The other 10 were scared as can be. Although they got a promise, go over there and scope the land that I've already given to you. That's the, the word of God. The word of God says, I've given it to you. And Joshua and Caleb, they knew that. The Bible says they carried a different spirit. It was the spirit of faith. While they, the other ones carried the spirit of fear. Well, I know like it sounds good and he, yes, the land is bountiful, but dang, did you see the enemy? Verse 31, but the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anax. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Turn to your neighbor and say, hell no. Oh my gosh, there is so much to unload. There is so much to unpack up in this piece. I don't even know where to begin. Oh my gosh. We, we are nothing. We are but grasshoppers. They weren't talking about the mighty God and everything they've seen in the wilderness. Uh, parting of the Red Sea, rock gushing out of a freaking rock, quail coming, manna. Let's not forget uh, at, the, uh, at the fact that there's a pillar of fire leading them at night. Let's just forget about all of that and focus on who we are and we are but grasshoppers. How you think about yourself is everything. It's absolutely everything. And then the audacity to say that that's what they think about us too. And that's what fear does. That's what insecurity does. You project something and it becomes a reality. I'm just sad. And I just, I can't find anybody to really mesh with here in this church. Even though I, I moved away multiple time zones. I just, I just can't, I can't really seem to find my niche. That's because you are projecting that. You just come to the realization of that. That's okay. I'm saying it in love. I love you. And we're going to get through this together tonight. Amen. But I'm saying this because a lot of times when you're dealing with something on the inside of it, that's how you project it. And that's what it becomes. You throw up those walls and you think people are going to climb over that? No. People got enough problems. They're not going to try to, you know, climb over that wall. Try to find out who you are. Do me a favor and just put, put, put the walls down. It has everything to do with how you view yourself. And then if you have this toxic ability to think of yourself like a grasshopper, like less than, like not valuable in the eyes of God or any man, then you're going to think everybody has those same thoughts towards you. Doesn't that sound awful? And it happens every freaking day with a lot of y'all. I'm calling you out and I'm giving you bow bows. Because you need it to move on. You got to move forward. Don't live in that state of toxicity. Are you kidding me? You're so beautiful. You're so valuable. God wants to do such incredible that this world needs you. It needs your presence. It needs what you can afford. It needs your words. It needs your thoughts. It needs who you are. Your very presence is needed here. If no one has told you, let me be the first. And if you weren't needed, you'd be in heaven. Take a deep breath. That's life. You are here. Because there's purpose. 
Can you say amen? amen. So they said, oh, they, that's what they think too. And when we, we, we fast forward it, we talked to the prostitute Rahab. Huh? What did she say? Oh, yeah, we, we all know you guys are but grasshoppers. Wrong. She said, these men, their hearts are failing within them. Their hearts are melting at the fear of who you are and who is your God. So it was just already set up to take over. They were literally pooping their pants at the thought of the Israelites and everything they've heard. Like, did you, see, did you hear that? These big old giants. Where's Mark? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it's just when she was up there, you know, she, being the, the, the image. But it's like these big old giants thinking to myself, did you see? Did you see the people of Israel? Did you hear about their God? Did you hear about what happened and how provision was made? Did you see them walk through the desert all like Mr. T? We don't even know how they got all that wealth. God caused that to happen. Their God caused that to happen. They're just walking around the desert looking all fly. What is that? Their sandals never even withered. They get fed. There was rock or water coming from a rock. What is that? And so their hearts began to melt within them with fear. So we understand this projection was just self-made. And it caused them to have to wander around for 40 years. You do not have 40 years to wander in the desert. You don't. And I remember as a young kid, people saying, oh, time goes by so fast. And now I see it. I see it. I recognize that time really does fly by. And I, it's, it's so much more valuable to me being 27. You know what I mean? It's just like really, it's, I think about it often. An unbeliever with a good picture of themselves will accomplish more than a believer with a poor image. You will always act like the person you think you are. If you think you're fly, let me tell you about Puerto Ricans. We think we are fly. I don't care if we got the chichos hanging out. We are wearing the tank top and the booty shorts. <laughs> During summer, if it's too hot, it's like, look at me. I look good. <laughs> yeah, you see the stretch marks. That's five babies. Five babies in there. And they don't care. We got a great self-image. Some of y'all have to start developing a good self-image about yourself. Yeah, hone in on the Puerto Rican on the inside of you, huh? Hone in on that, because that's a gift. You going through Boston and New York and you, you Walmart. Have you seen the people at Walmart? <sighs> Go take a trip to Walmart, ladies. See what they're doing up in that piece and be encouraged. I remember always battling with that and then going to the beach and seeing these, these big hefty women just like in nothing. And they're like, Sally, what's up? I was like, oh, she's wearing a thong. I think her butt ate it. So you always act like the person you think you are. So, so get this on the inside of you. Make this word such a reality that you start acting like it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're the righteousness of God. You have the mind of Christ. You're above and never beneath. You're the head and never the tail. You're blessed going in, blessed going out. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I had to convince myself of that one because I've seen a picture of J-Lo and I'm like, God... 
Were you asleep at the wheel when you created this nose? What happened? I am fearfully and wonderfully, but you got to be convinced of it. I had to convince myself that God made me just this way. And I'm happy with it. But if you see me with um, surgery marks, then don't, don't ask any questions. Just mind your business. You know what I mean? Just, just move on with your life. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you think you're going to be a victim, that's exactly what you're going to do. Be a victim. And you know, in, in Christianity, it's not just about making heaven. We've graduated. We've graduated from that. Now it's time to produce because that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to produce. He's given us a plan. He's given us something to do. And when we get to, to heaven, we aren't going to experience the same kind of judgment the way an unbeliever is going to experience it. Right, Ben? I just wanted to catch his attention. <laughs> We're going to go and we have to present ourselves in this thing called the Bema judgment where we bring before God the works that we did here on the earth. So don't, don't get all cute about judgment, like we're going to bypass the whole system. No, there's a different kind of judgment for God's people. What did you do with the things that I told you to do? I think God's going to be a little ghetto like that too. Huh? Who are you going to blame? Who are you going to blame? Well, I've just, you know, my husband doesn't really believe in me, and he's spoken some things. I, th then get intoxicated with the word. That's not going to be an excuse. You think God's going to be like, I didn't even know that. Oh, dear. Get in here. He's not. And then all of your work has to be tried by fire. And then only what's good, only what's gold is going to remain. And then the Bible says that some of them are going to go into heaven barely making it. I'm like, dang, I ain't got nothing to show for. I have nothing to present. Can you imagine getting to heaven and not presenting anything to Jesus? Absolutely not. When I get in, in his presence, I want to give. Because I owe that to him. My very life is surrendered to him because of what he's done for me. I put myself as an offering to him. Because of what he's done. Because I, I cherish it. I cherish him so much. I'm so thankful for him. So I place myself as an offering for you, God. I am a slave of Christ. You tell me where to go. You tell me what to say. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I am yours. And so when I get to heaven, I want that to be reflected when I actually see him face to face. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I do not want to be empty-handed. What shame, what reproach that will be if I show up to the man who means the most to me, empty-handed. You don't even do that when you go into somebody's house. You bring something, unless you're Margalis. She just shows up to my house and eats my food. But if you're, if you're going somewhere, if you're going over a person's house, a warm, like, a, you know, a housewarming gift, you bring, you bring, you know, butter. I don't know what Christians bring to housewarming parties. Never been to one. That's a white people thing. It's wine, you know, but we don't drink wine, guys. We move past the elementary phase of Christianity. Oh, uh, because I just don't, I don't want to be that person. 
And I don't think you want to be that person either. So then just do what God's told you to do. You know, quit shelving it. Quit, quit convincing yourself out of what he's called you to do. If he's called you to do it, that means he's equipped you to do it. That means he's expecting for you to do it because he sees past your insecurity and sees your ability. And I wish that you would get intoxicated with what he sees. Can you say amen? In the book of Judges, Jeremiah faces the same thing. And it says here in verse 25. No, I'm just kidding. Jeremiah is because he actually, I'm, I'll just paraphrase it so you guys don't have to go in there. But Jeremiah was also like, I'm just a youth. I can't do anything. And he said, don't call yourself a youth, Jeremiah. I've called you to be a prophet to the nations, dummy. He didn't say dummy, but I, I think he should have. Because we get so convinced of our inability. Moses did the same thing. Who am I? I have a stuttering problem. He's like, I just told you that you're going to set these people free. That I chose you to do it. You think that I'm, I'm, I'm dumb, that I don't think things through, that I didn't see what you're going through? Gideon had to do the same thing. He said, wow, look at this, the mighty man of valor. And he was like shaking in his boots. And he's like, what are you talking about? That's not, I, mighty man of, did you say my name? And he said, yeah. And now I need you to do something for me. I need you to destroy the altar that your daddy created because that's a defilement. And I can't really use that. I can't really use you until you separate yourself from him and his house. And that's a lot of times what we have to work at. Who you are because somebody told you that's who you are. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're worthless. Your mom and dad probably told you that. And so there's significance in you burning that altar up of desecration of whatever your family's gone through, of whatever your family's last name is. Oh, we're alcoholics. Oh, we, we, we're adulterers. Oh, we're really bad with money. Oh, we're really dumb. We just work these, these odd jobs. And we'll never really be business owners. You gotta burn that altar. And that's, that, that was the first step in gaining the victory against the enemy. Can you say amen? And that'll be the same thing we do tonight. Everything that you've carried, that your family has thrown on you, or certain people that have thrown on you, or this, this life has thrown on you, different circumstances that have gotten you to think poorly about yourself, that is all going to be burned up. Can you say amen? I want you to rise up on your feet because it's time to minister. God has a really big plan for your life. Like really, really big. And it's, it's, it's made to bring impact to not just your life, but to your entire family. And I could attest to that because when I decided to follow Jesus, I was just thinking, this is going to be really hard. Going into the ministry, leaving everything that's comfortable, I don't know anybody out in Maine. I'm getting married to Jonathan. I've never been in ministry before. I'm leaving my family. I'm leaving my friends, and I don't know what to do, and blah, 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 blah. But if I could have just seen where God would take me, I would do it like that. But unfortunately, God doesn't work that way. He works with obedience, these simple little steps. And all you have to do is say yes and take the step and move in that direction. Can you say amen? 
But you can't let your voices drown out the voice of God, including yours. Because you will talk yourself out of God's goodness and God's best for your life. You cannot do that. Can you say amen? Now I want us, anybody who's been struggling with insecurity, anybody who this message, you're like, that message was for me. I want you to come up to the front because I want to lay my hands on you. And from this very moment, you are never going to deal with any bouts of insecurity, anything that would try to stop you or hinder you from doing what God wants for your life. All of that is going to melt away tonight. Can you say amen? So come up here in Jesus' name. Make a line, and if it goes to pa uh, past this, you could just start, like, curling around the walls. Yes. Today, you're making a decision that you're going to be at war with everything of mediocrity, everything of insecurity, everything of stagnancy and failure, you're at war with those things. And from today on, those things will never torment you. They'll never be something that plagues your mind. Oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm not tall enough. Oh, I'm not pretty enough. All of that stuff is going to drop off you today in the mighty name of Jesus. Can you say amen? All right, quickly sit down. Sit down. I took way too much time because y'all were pulling it out of me. I have, I have tears all up and down my shoes. It's okay, those are good happy tears because I just want you guys to congratulate your sisters next, next to you and say, hey, congratulations, your life is never going to be the same. Congratulations, this is going to be the best year ever. This is a time to give. Those who give generously will reap gener generously. Consistent seed is consistent harvest. Y'all are givers by nature, so I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time on it. These are the ways to give. So you could do it through Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. What else is up in there? Facebook. You could even give cryptocurrency if you scan right there. Or text RT to 50155. Yeah, you can recite that for me. Uh, or if you don't want to do any of that, just snail mail. Send it to P.O. Box 7 Prosperity PA 15329 or go online at revivaltoday.com uh, and, and partner up with this ministry. <sighs> Can you say amen? All right, once you're done giving, there's dessert waiting out there for you. We got cheesecake and all kinds of goodies. So Jeanette's like, let's go. Uh, so rise up on your feet. I want to pronounce a blessing over you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, thank you for every seed that is sown tonight. I thank you, Father, that a hundredfold return would come upon every dollar. Every person that's giving with faith wrapped around that seed, I command it to produce a hundredfold return and those things that money cannot buy. Father, let it be, uh, come into their possession this year of 2023 in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. Or if you're listening to my wife's, thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.